So last week, Pastor Bruce talked about uh, the parable of the soils, and if you were here, you heard uh, all about that, and that passage is followed up by one instruction that you're probably a little familiar with, and we'll start there, and we're going to platform back over to Matthew 5, where it's a little more familiar, and it's the same thought. By the way, uh, I said everyone's gone, and I'm here. Who am I? Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Pastor Jim. I'm uh, the, I don't know, associate pastor, executive pastor. I don't know. I do a lot of things. But, um, so uh, Pastor Bruce texted me yesterday and said he thinks in the first time in our church's history, this is the one solo pastor weekend, and that might be true. And so I have been able to do a few different things, like the greeting and the announcements and the preaching, but myself and everybody in the room is grateful that I didn't do worship, right? <laughs> and didn't they do great? This, I mean, it's just uh, subbing in, just amazing. So proud to see students up here. You know, we had some high school and college representation, and uh, man, it's just awesome to be that church, you know, it's, it's hard to be a multi-generational church, and a lot of churches give up on trying that, and uh, we're determined to be so, and are so grateful for how um, we enjoy that, and I'm glad we do, so uh, good on them, good on you. So, in Luke 8, following that parable of the soils, in verse 16, it says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And today we're going to talk about being light. We'll actually talk about being salt and light because when we flip back to Matthew 5, starting in verse 13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its ta taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." And so three, about three weeks ago, I guess it was, we were getting ready to gather for group, and on Tuesday night, I might leave uh, work a little bit early and go over my notes and stuff at home. So it was around 4.30, I guess, and I got a text from our host that week that their power had gone out, and, uh, but she'll, she'll stay in touch with me, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and make a go of it, you know, we're, we're prepared, and they're telling me the power's going to be on in enough time. So then around 5.30, another text, no power yet. Around 6, another text, no power yet. Should we cancel? And we ended up canceling because there was no light. There wasn't going to be light. And it just was so complicated on the time, timing of it all. It just didn't really work out. Then uh, about 10 days ago on a Thursday night, uh, our family, we eat at Chipotle before we come over here to go to Bible study. And we're at Chipotle, and if you haven't been to Chipotle, it's almost as good as Mod. You need to go. It's really good. Now, Mod Pizza is the place uh, on Sunday after church. I'll see you there. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> 
But Chipotle has great food and really, you know, it's, it's healthy and all this. But then they have chips and they put this lime salt on the chips. And you can get lime salt at the store, but nobody uses it except Chipotle. And you're just stoked on it, right? Like you're just, wow, these are really good. Well, we got a bag of chips and homeboy forgot to put the salt in the bag. And it was really a letdown. It was just, it was just, it was a bummer. You know, and, uh, and then I was so hungry and I guess lazy at the same time. I didn't want to get up and go ask him to put salt on, so I endured the whole bag. Um, <laughs> so it was really a bummer, but, it, it, you know, God, God saw fit to get me through that and use it for this, <laughs> use it for this illustration this morning. And both those, both those personal experiences, and you've had similar, illustrate a couple things. You know, salt and light are elements of influence, both of them. Where they are, they make a difference. And where they aren't, especially when they're needed, that also makes a difference, and it's noticeable. Salt and light, are, they, make, they make a difference. But they do more than just influence. They change, they're transformational, they change things. And so when, when there's salt on the chips, those bland, still good corn chips turn into magnificent awesomeness when Chipotle puts the lime salt on there. And then up here, right, we got lights. So let's turn the lights off on the stage. I'll turn them back on. Now you're probably grateful they're off, right? You're like, and light changes things. Light is transformational. And salt and light have these influences. They're also influences of excitement and um, uh, preservation and expansion. And Jesus came to a bunch of people who barely knew him. Most of that crowd probably didn't know him. They're just learning about who he is. And he says to them, you are salt, and you are light. And he's saying that to everyone in the room today that knows Jesus Christ. No matter how young you might be, no matter how old, no matter how healthy or unhealthy, no matter how rich or not rich, wherever you might land in any classification, according to this passage, Jesus looks at you and he says, not you might be, not you could be. He says you are the salt of the earth. And he says you are the light of the world. In other words, you have influence. In other words, your life should be and is transformational. It goes places and changes things. Your life is exciting. Your life makes a difference. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you in there are thinking, no, it doesn't really. I'm not up to making a difference. I don't know enough. I haven't been at this long enough. I'm wounded and broken and messed up and I gotta get right before I qualify for being salt and light. Well, I don't think that's true. Jesus said so and the rest of the Bible says so and we're gonna be looking at a lot of different scripture today. You might wanna be taking notes. I don't know how, you know, try to stay in the time frame. I don't know if you'll be able to 
to flip to all the scriptures. I hope you can listen to them, write them down. If you get lost and you want me to send you the notes, email me and I'll be happy to send you the notes, but that's not an excuse to fall asleep in here this morning. So we're gonna look at three main points. Each of them have three subpoints. And the first point is this. What's God's part in you being salt and light? Because he didn't just say it. He didn't just declare it and nothing happened. God made a difference in all of our lives. And here's where it starts. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that we were created and saved for good works. Listen to what Paul writes about this. He says, for we, and he's talking to believers, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You were created and saved for good works. It was God's intention from the beginning that you do good works. By the way, what are good works? I think the simplest way to explain it is the things we do that reflect God, the good things that he would have us do. Loving others, being kind, serving, just anything that the Bible says God wants us to do and be, those are good works. And Paul tells us that you were created for good works. You weren't created for just taking up space. You weren't created just to be poured into. You were created to be poured into so that you could pour out. And you're created for good works. And God knew this for, from beforehand, and he says that we should walk in them. When you see the word walk in the New Testament, what that means is live in. That just means your lifestyle. And I love that it's walk, not run, sprint, marathon. It's just walk. It's just normal. The Christian life is a normal life, and it's the normal expectation that Christian people do good works. So you're created for good works, but you're not only just created for good works, God didn't just intend that you would be doing good works and form you so that you could. He gifted you, and he gifted every single person. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. He says, as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another, how many of us received the, the gift? Each one of us. So here's God. He's gifted us. Now, the Bible says he's gifted us differently, and that's okay. What's not okay is to not steward that gift. Even that's what it goes on to say. You, each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so when we use our gifts, we're being good stewards of what God gave us. When we don't use our gifts, we're failing to be good stewards of what God gave us. And in the process, we glorify God. You might be thinking you're not gifted. That's not true. The Bible just told you something entirely different than that. You are gifted. Now, you might be gifted differently than somebody else. Praise God I didn't do worship here and in Gregory's absence. He's a phenomenal worship leader. He's phenomenal. I could never do that. But I guarantee you that if we took to the volleyball court, there's a lot of things I can do out there that he could never do. 
So that's in sports, and we can probably sit here and compare, make all different kinds of comparisons about how we're gifted in the world in certain ways better than people we know. And that's not what the Christian gifting is about, and we'll see that a little bit later. It's not about, hey, I'm better than you, I'm different than you. The fact of the matter is, everybody's gifted that knows Jesus Christ, and we're supposed to be using those gifts. And then you might be thinking, well, I'm deficient somehow. Because what we encounter when we stand up as leaders at Crosspoint, and we call people into ministry, or we call people into leadership, what we hear very often is this insecurity based on the thought that maybe I'm deficient. But that's not what this verse said that we just read, but how about this one from 2 Peter 1, 3, uh, and 4? His divine power has granted to us, for believers, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so we have everything we need for life and godliness, it says there in 2 Peter 1. You're not deficient. You're not missing anything where you are right now. Think about the crowd Jesus was talking to. I kind of mentioned this. You know, th- these people, they didn't go through like a six-week training course at, at church. They're not seminary grads. They're just people, just like you. And Jesus looked at them and said, you are, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. There's no deficiency. God has taken care of it. So maybe you're insecure. Maybe you've got some hurts and hangups or habits that just mess you up and it makes you feel that way. Well, here's another good thought, good news from, from God about you, your gifting, and your ability and your qualification to work. He's patient with you in process. He's not expecting you to be perfect. He's expecting you to move with him to go with him, and he will cooperate with you if you cooperate with him. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, speaking of Jesus Christ, he who began a good work in you, so when you got saved, God began a good work in you. He began, he didn't finish it. He began it. He started it. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion when? After five years of being a Christian, after 15 years of being a Christian, after 25, 50 years of being a Christian, no, the the process goes on your whole life because it says he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we're all in process. We're all stumbling through this thing called life and faith, and Jesus is right there picking us up when we fall. You know, one of the most fun things about being a parent, a teacher, a coach, a grandparent, is watching and partnering with babies, infants, toddlers, young people, as they grow, as they grow. We don't, we don't have, you know, the little baby learning to walk and they fall one time. <laughs> You're never gonna get this. <laughs> and that is funny, but we think God's like that. And God's not like that. 
He's patient with us in process. As long as we are cooperating with him, he's patient with us in process. Now, if we turn our back on his work and we run in the opposite direction, yeah, maybe we're not useful. But you can be as soon as you turn around and start going back toward him. His determination is that he will be patient for, with you. I used to watch uh, you know, a lot of volleyball. I was coaching, if you didn't know, I coached for a lot of years, coached over 40 seasons in various settings. And um, uh, there was this one coach there were other coaches, but there was this one. He's a legendary Orange County coach. He's still coaching, and he's still legendary. And I don't know if he still does this, but he used to do this thing where when one player made one mistake, they were out. You, you know, receive a serve, shank it, you're out. Put a player in. Serve goes to the, the next player. They shank it, they're out. Third player, they shank it, they're out. And, I mean, I see this kind of thing go on and, and wonder, my goodness. And, again, God's not like that. God's working with you, and you're going to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to feel inadequate, but God will use you. God wants to use you. It's just, it's, I think it's weird, right? We wouldn't use us. I wouldn't look down and see 16-year-old Jim Gain. Because when I got saved, I was 16. I wouldn't look down and say, hey, one day that guy's going to be a pastor. I had professors tell me. In Bible college, you're not going to make it. <clears throat> because I wore like bow ties and stuff like that, like real important things like that. <clears throat> God is, man, he's pouring into you so you can pour out to others. So here's your part. God's part is so awesome, just something just to latch on to and, and take that. And there's so many other promises I could have brought today. Those are three just great ones. Here's your part. You have to start by habitually putting away your bad works. I mean, you can't tolerate the things you know offend God. Those things come into our life. He understands, but he wants us to reject that. In Titus, it says this in uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. It says, for, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us, there's that idea about process again, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, just, you know, there's something to live up to as Christians, and we need to have that as a priority, and we need to be passionate about that. We need to be doing that habitually. And I put that word in there, habitually, is because you're gonna have to do it habitually. You're going to put your foot in your mouth. You're going, to, you're going to do things you wish you didn't do. You're going to just, you're going to mess up. It's part of the deal, unfortunately, as long as we're on this earth. But praise God that God will work with us when we keep turning to him. And we just got to keep turning to him over and over. And sometimes that's 100 times a day. And hopefully your 100 times a day could become 50 and 50 can become 25, and so on. But we're going to have to contend with this body of flesh our whole lives. So just, man, when that stuff comes up, have a heart that rejects it every time. You start there. But then number two, got to purposely put 
your good works on display. And this gets a little weird, and I'll help you understand it, because I even was having a conversation uh, last Thursday with somebody who said, I'm just going to rest and let God work through me. I don't think that's the intention of Jesus Christ here. Because look what he, in verse 16 of chapter 5, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. Jesus' intention in this passage is that you take the good things you do and put them on display for others. That's the motive. But the motive isn't for lifting you up. It's for lifting him up. Because you might remember that Jesus Christ also criticized the Pharisees for doing their works before men. But he said they do it before men to be seen of them. They did it for their own glory. They did it for their own esteem. They did it for their own edification. They weren't concerned that people were being drawn to God. They were concerned that people were being drawn to them. And that's the difference. We do our good works as individual Christian people, as small groups, as a church community, so that people will find Jesus Christ. It's an ugly, dark world. And people are lost. And they're dying without God. And they have an eternity, they're confronting an eternity that is forever awful without him. And we are here by God's grace and by his command to step into that darkness and be light. And those dark places could be in your family, they could be in your neighborhood, they could be in your school. You're there to make a difference, to make a change. And it needs to be your motivation. It needs to be your intent. You need to follow the instruction of Titus 2.14 that follows the verses we just read where it says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from, the lawless, from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, listen to this, who are zealous for good works. So doing good and being good and making a difference, being an influence, isn't something we just kind of hope happens. It's not something we wait for. It is something we make happen, that God is looking for a people who are zealous for good works, who are zealous for putting his goodness on display in a dark, lost, and dying world. He says it again in Titus 3.14, it says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So last week we talked about Christian people who are truly walking with God bear fruit. A cross-reference from that into here is totally safe to be made. And he says, devote yourself to good works to help in cases of urgent need like Thanksgiving in a bag where we're helping over 50 families like Christmas smiles. But I love those things. I consider them somewhat eventful. The idea of being salt and light is moments, all of our moments. And we are to be devoted to and zealous for good works. And like I said, number three, we put those good works on display to draw other people to God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're in the room today, man, we are just so prayerful and so hopeful 
that the love and the forgiveness of God that we know as Christian people would invade your heart and mind and that you would turn your life over to Jesus Christ. That you would say, I can't forgive myself no matter what. I need something outside of me to do that. And that something, according to the Bible, is Jesus Christ. And we pray for you to know Jesus Christ. We take these moments in the services to talk about him. We send out people to talk about Jesus Christ. If you need him, it is our prayer that you would find him today. We're going to put on good works at Crosspoint to draw other people to God, like what Philippians 2, 12 to 15 says. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Again, the intention that what's inside of me, the Christ life that's inside of me, I'm going to intentionally work it out. It's going to come out of me. I'm going to work it out with fear and trembling. I know God's paying attention. I want to be a good steward. For it is God who works in you. It's God who gifted you. It's God who called you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of, not at a distance, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And it's not hard to see how dark the world is in so many ways. And if we brainstormed it, if I had a big whiteboard up here and I asked you guys to start screaming at me how we see the world as dark, we would fill the whiteboard easily, wouldn't we? And we know that. As salt and light, though, we are here to invade that world, to shine as lights in the darkness. In the places where you live your life out, people need to see Jesus. They need to see his love and his kindness. They need to hear about his forgiveness. They need to know about eternity. And in, in your life, wherever you live it, in your family, your neighborhood, your work, your, your school, wherever it is, you are there to shine as lights in the world. You are the light of the world. So that's God's part, and that's your part, but there's an our part. Because isn't there power when all the salt's there? I mean, if in that bag there was probably one or two grains of salt, I don't know what happened. I think the guy ran out of the salt and he just forgot to do it. I don't know. I just know it wasn't enough. If there was only one light in the room, it wouldn't be enough. But when they all come together, the influence and the transformational power is awesome. And the design of God is that we would do faith and life and ministry together. That we would be a force that comes together and makes that difference and makes those changes in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, it says, And he gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ, 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And the idea of being together, you might not have noticed it, but I counted all these scriptures and I highlighted any of the corporate community idea words. They, themselves, people, we. 29 times. The idea of being an influence, of the idea of being a transformational power happens in the context of community. And God put the church on earth to be salt and light, to make a difference. And when you think about a verse like Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, that context, the best context for any of these corporate community words is in the church. It's at church. This is the training center. If you don't serve here, how, do you, how well do you serve out there? You learn, you grow, you strengthen your life here. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And I'm sad to say that in our modern Christianity, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the habit of some. And I, I just, it's too easy for people to miss church. It's too easy. And this, this idea isn't in the Bible a hundred times. And I think, here's why. Because I think the easiest thing a Christian could do is go to church. Even Woody Allen said 80% of success is showing up. It's not that hard. It's a no duh. And we come here, let's, why do we encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near? This is where we rally. This is where we inspire one another. This is where we encourage. What does that mean? That means to pour courage into each other. We do that here. It is a nutty world. How do you make it without God? I don't know. We renew ourselves when we join together at church. We refuel. And it's just awesome to be here. And what we're supposed to be doing is stirring up one another to love and good works and encouraging one another. And so people show up to church and maybe they talk about, hey, I had a hard week. And you get to say, you know what, I did too. Let's pray together. Or how can I pray for you this week? There's so many different ways this plays out. Our part, we're gonna do this together. Number two, start now. Maybe when I say, you're salt and you're light, you think, well, isn't that sweet? No, I'm not. Because you know you. And you could be better. Okay, start now. You don't read your Bible during the week? Start now. 
You have zero prayer life? Start now. You're inconsistent at church? Start being consistent now. You don't serve at church? Start serving now. You don't contribute to ministry the way you know you should in any way that's possible? Start now. Start now. I don't think it's optional. I don't think Jesus gives us a way to wiggle out of being salt and light. I don't think Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 means some of us can miss church and some of us can't. Doesn't mean some of us should serve and some of us shouldn't. We all are called to have influence. We are all called to be transformational. Start now, and praise God, so many people I look across the room and I encounter on the property today and every weekend are doing something, and I want to challenge you with a step. After I thank you, thank you to all the people that serve. But here's the challenge. In the next week, next two weeks, bring somebody with you. Invite somebody to join you in ministry. Hey, you know what? I'm an usher. I think you'd be a great usher. Would you come stand with me and see what I do on a Sunday to see if you would like to join our team? I'm in the Welcome Center, man. It sounds like all we do is pour coffee. We do so much more than that. We make a difference in the lives of especially our guests who come and find us friendly. Would you come help? One weekend, just come check it out. Nursery, kids ministry, check-in, usher, greeter, so many different things. Will you invite somebody to come with you? Will you just say, hey, come check it out? On any given weekend, we have somewhere around 500 adults in service, and so, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're reaching about 700. So not everybody can make it every single week for real reasons and thin ones. Could you imagine if every week throughout the course of the week, seven days a week, all 700 of us were living like salt and light? That it wasn't a select few, it wasn't just several, but it was everybody who can reflect a mature faith. Maybe that's junior high enough, maybe that's high school enough. There's just everybody who could do it. Was taking the words of Jesus Christ seriously and living like salt and light. It's all going to be different. It's going to be to different strengths, and it's going to be maybe, you know, the colors will vary. But if we were all doing that, can you imagine? It's good now. Our church, I'm so grateful that this church that's 53 years old is on this corner and makes such a profound difference in people's lives and in our community. And really, when you think about it around the world, it's awesome. But how much more awesome when all of us join together to be what God has called us and empowered us and gifted us to be and go with intention to work out our salvation and be salt and light by intentionally showing good works so that people would see Jesus in you and be drawn to him. Let's pray.
I'm super grateful that, you know, we get to be here on a weekend. I love coming to church here. I hope you do too. I hope you love bringing your friends and family here. It's a great place. If you're our guest today and you don't know Jesus Christ, like I said, our deepest prayer, our deepest determination is that people would find Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him today, we would be super grateful if you would fill out on your connection card, I'd like to know what it means to know Jesus Christ. And we'll give you a call and you can meet with a pastor and we'll show you what that's about. Or maybe even today is your day. Maybe your heart's pounding and your stomach hurts a little bit like mine did in August of 1980. And I knew that was the day I needed Jesus Christ. And if that's you, we will have people ready to pray with you at this cross to my right at the end of service. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love in our lives, your grace, the power to, to forgive and change us is something that we want to share. And so blessed, Lord, help us to overcome our insecurities, maybe our hurts, hangups, and habits, the sin that draws us back to let go of that and do so habitually and just pursue you. Thanks for gifting us. Thanks for intending good things for us to be useful in your kingdom in spite of us. And I just pray as a church that Crosspoint would rally together and see the importance of your call on our lives and be good stewards of that. And maybe that means joining a ministry team. Maybe that means participating in giving more faithfully. Maybe that means starting a group or leading a group or hosting a group. There's so many possibilities and we just want to listen to your spirit and be led of you and do what you're calling us to do. Thank you uh, for letting us participate in that way. Thanks for the generosity of this church and how their giving makes such a, a, a radical difference. And we don't see and hear all of it, but we know it's going on and we're thankful. So bless as we give now. In Jesus' name, amen.